Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 138. I'm your high priest of Conchu, Ray. Up for another another ripper of an episode. Again, a bit of a bumpy ride to begin with before we even hit the record button. Um, I'm with you. Glad you can join us. Uh, with me, I do have a very special guest returning onto the show, Joey Mega Man. Nagliata. Joey, how are you going? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. Thanks again for having me on here. It's always good to talk to you. Oh, it's always it's always great. It's a lot of great fun talking to you. And uh, my gosh, you must be zombie-eyed. Um, Joey's up in the wee hours of the morning here. Um, it's late night for me. Not too late, actually. But um, anyway, all that aside, a few gremlins aside, um, <laughs> we're, we, um, we're on the show finally on the show and joey i just wanted to mention joey has been on the show before um i've got you down here episode 129 uh, and 133 both of them were avatars of vengeance so they were both reviews on video games all to do with moon knight um it's good to have you on joey for a comic book review yeah this is uh finally the time that i have to talk about comic books i feel like the other two times We've just been talking about video games, which we kind of have, so it's good to actually sit down and chat about our boy here. And also, I need to to call attention to the fact that all bad things come in threes, and this is my third time on here. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Well, hopefully all that bad stuff has happened before this show started, Looney's. Oh my gosh, there was a little bit of, bit of a kerfuffle um, with Gremlins. And such, but uh, we're good. We're good now. Uh, so speaking of tonight, so Joey's on, and don't want to um, look. No slight, Joey. Actually, having you on for the Avatars of Vengeance, you are a um, an avid gamer. You're well versed in it. So it was a it was a very a very good privilege actually to have you on for those two. Um, found it very insightful for myself, but I'm sure a lot of loonies would have gleaned a lot from um, from your expertise. Oh, well, hopefully, uh, I hope, like, you know, I I did play a little bit more of Contest of Champions after we discussed it. My opinions remain the same. But uh, <laughs> I did mention a character in one of the previous episodes. It was the um, Ice Ballerina Mutant Girl, whose name is Bora. So uh, I totally forgot to to fix that little error up. In the meantime, so that's who I was referring to. That's who I was stumbling around, ambling madly about. I mean, uh, you know, rightly so. I mean, that's a very obscure reference, but I'm, I'm glad you picked up on it uh, again, Joey. So, to Bora, any Bora fans out there? Literally none. <laughs> not a single person. Maybe someone, someone is named Bora. Maybe he or she. Okay. Well, you know, I've got a kinship with this character, and they they may have taken it with them. Who knows? Um, anyway, <laughs> I think you're on the right track there, Joey. Uh, speaking of which, loonies, we are back for a lunapic review. So, those of you looking up in the night sky will know it is a waxing crescent, 
and that means uh, contrary to Crees that we do a modern run review so tonight we are returning to Brian Michael Bendis uh, is volume 6 issue 6 now I originally thought Joey that this was the um, the climax the finale for the first arc but having a look at the trade that I'm reading it goes on for one more so there's um, issue 7 kind of wraps things up the first arc um so it'd be interesting to see i mean your thoughts on on, on this uh this issue um needless to say your thoughts on brian michael bendis's take on moon Knight. uh well you know what i don't want to clog up a lot of the episode with my bendis uh slander i guess i think a lot of what can be said about him and his run with Moon Knight has been said. But I will say just slightly that I don't hate this run as much as a lot of other avid Moon Knight fans, for sure. I actually think there are some really good parts about it. And we'll get into that when we talk about the the issue. But yeah, I, I don't think it's as bad as the Bemis run or um, even Vengeance of the Moon Knight. But it's not really a game of... Which is worst? <laughs> I guess I just that's where my head goes. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Look, um, Looney's within the group, and the, and the page will be well aware of um, you, you know people um, throwing their I guess their uh, opinions as to what is better, what is worse. Uh, like you said, this it's not a competition. Everyone's got different tastes. It's it's great. Um, yeah, Bemis has come up as well. Um, people have very distinct views on him um but yeah Brian Michael Bendis look I I agree with you as well we'll get into it um there are some things of merit to this run but uh, there are again other things that I find problematic um that could be say improved upon um but anyway we shall get to that uh before we do just a quick shout out again um to our faithful Petrunis those Patreon members <coughs> Joey, <coughs> who are <laughs> Joey's one of them, um, who have been so kind as to support the show. Uh, not only thanking you so much for listening and for participating in the groups and stuff, but by throwing a bit of coin our way as well. It really does help to um, to expand the show and and to cover the costs as well. So um, very much appreciated. Uh, so a big thank you to the Petrunis there, but also our other our sponsors. Hello headphones. Um, just glad to have them on as a sponsor, and um, and of course, again, um, if you use the promo code ITK Moon Knight on their online store, you can get ten percent off. So, uh, big shout out to them. All right, Joey. Well, before we before we get into it, I mean, it's been a while since we chatted. We had a bit of a chat beforehand before we kind of lost audio, <laughs> either one of us, um, for five ten minutes, which was uh, yeah. Um, and again, just mindful that you know you're up in the wee hours uh, oh it's but... early it's a good early it's, <laughs> it's a, a good, good early, early. Uh, by the way you are, are you wearing hello headphones are are you are you wearing them as we speak because i'm i'm trying to call you out right now and i need to know <laughs> <laughs> now this is very awkward uh this is very awkward <laughs> no <laughs> no i'm not um but i do i do endorse hello headphones um and uh i will be getting a uh appear soon uh well we shouldn't bust out the good headphones for coronavirus podcasts that's just the way it should go you should just use any other regular headphones in case they get infected oh okay <laughs> oh dude that's a, that's a good point I was that's about my to say. save for you 
I've saved you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was about to say, like, you know, with us all indoors and, and podcasts um, being a, a nice alternative for, for people staying at home, I thought you were going to say it's good to crack open the good headphones, you know, get yourself nice and comfy in the seat, you know, you get a nice drink. <laughs> but I like the way you think, Joey. <laughs> the whiskey um, headphones. <laughs> well, I'm on, I'm on the tea tonight. Um, Purely because I've run out of whiskey, but <laughs> oh, it's early, man. You you must have been going hard. You're you're not ready for this yet. I'm not ready. No, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but speaking of coronavirus, I mean, just you know, let's shoot the breeze a little here. Uh, let's jump and shoot the breeze, Joey. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone knows. Look, it's it's happening. It's a pandemic. Um, coronavirus. I don't want to dwell it too dwell on it too much, but. You know, I guess for posterity, um, we are living in it now. Um, so, I mean, how are things holding up over there? I know we spoke about it a little earlier. Yeah, I think um, we are probably a little bit more closed down than than you guys are right now. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of carry out restaurants are still open. Grocery stores are still open. A couple places here and there. Markets, like small shops are. But... Um, there was just a sort of statewide mandate that's that came into place that shut almost everything down the other day. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm just using this time to catch up on my endless backlog of games and comics. So it's a good opportunity, man. Like, I, you know, despite being a podcaster and whatever, I still am pretty introverted. And so I think in a way this is... It's not a good thing, but I'm trying to make it a good thing if I'm forced to being stuck at home, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, yeah, it, it is good to see, you know, albeit the, the the silver lining. I mean, I know it's a terrible thing and a lot of people are, are really going through a lot of hardships and stuff. Um, but it is good to make the most of the situation. Uh, look, my partner April saying as well, like on the flip side, um, the, the uh, like pollution and all that is actually down. <laughs> um, everything to do with the human human um, beings' existence um, and its affliction upon upon planet Earth seems to be uh, lessened during this time. So, uh, and people are learning to, um, I guess, to to communicate in different ways and, and to do things. So, um, whether this is a step forward in the way we as a society will be different and, and looking at, at work and how we do that because technology, we've got the means to do it, right? Um, there are a lot of um, traditional workplaces out there that could probably do with a um, a rethink and, and how they do things. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always a flip side. I'm with you, Joey, as well. Um, reading, catching up on stuff will be really good. Uh, at the moment, I'm working from home uh, three days a week, um, but it was just announced this evening on uh, on national news as well that in the next 48 hours there will be a a huge lockdown so um i think we're oh, following then, then you'll be where we are now yeah we're following you in that sense which is about bloody time if you ask me i mean if you look at the <laughs> the state of progress yeah that australia is we're yeah. um trajectorying uh like 25 uh, the cases are increasing 25 percent each day um similar to to like italy and other countries in europe uh, and germany as well so um and you know the annoying thing is people are still <laughs> 
very Aussie, people are still out on the beaches. Um, just, you know, the other day, of there was course. just a whole heap of them. It's like, why? what are you guys doing? You're making the most of your free time, but, like, this is a health, you know, risk, you know? This is a, um, a very sensitive time. So anyway... Uh, a bit more media exposure has tried to show the importance of it. Um, I myself, I, I don't feel I'm not a, a fear monger myself, but um, but I'm just cautious of it. You know, um, got some relatives, got my mum who's who's in the high risk factor. Um, and so yeah. Anyway, it's um, it's one of those things, Joey. It's crazy. Yeah, I. You know what? It's it's kind of funny. One one big criticism that I hear from everyone about media is that you can't really tell a new story or a different story, but there's never been a supervillain who has tried to stop world pollution by giving people a virus. So, you know, maybe Marvel, you know, take some notes here, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and see how that goes. Exactly. I can't remember the other things Aif was telling me. There were some very salient points um, about, you know, the statistics now of um, what has improved. But anyway, uh, still kind of on the subject here, Joey, as well. I wanted to do a big a big shout-out to um, everyone's local comic book stores. Look, we are part of a, a geek community, right? So, um, of course, there are other bigger, grander pictures and greater perspectives. But, you know, if we, we're talking about our corner of society and, and geeks uh, and comic book fandom in general, uh, LCSs, um, they're going to take a huge hit with this. Um, so there are some ways in which you can support uh, your comic book store because uh, I know, Joey, I read an article, there's a whole heap of American comic book stores have kind of signed up um, to, uh, I guess, promote um, this way in which you can, you can, you know, you can um, prop up the, the industry, help them kind of... Um, survive because it's going to be pretty tough for them yeah and can i use this opportunity to shout out my local comic book store absolutely absolutely so if you live in chicago um there's a ton of options but i live pretty close to graham cracker comics in lakeview and they're a chain but the one in lakeview is really dope really good people work there it's just it's just a great environment and uh i have to give a story because a couple maybe a month ago or a little bit longer I maybe it was earlier this month. I don't remember, but it wasn't long ago. Some guy broke in the store, and he was like on the cameras and everything. He broke a window, and instead, while he was in the store, he called his girlfriend and asked her like what he should steal, basically. And I'm sure there's the, there's the the telephone game here. I'm I'm definitely probably gutting this story but uh, he didn't steal anything of value he just like stole a tv and a couple things like none of the you know the the behind the counter comics the stuff that's on display none of the stuff that's like actually worth money and marked as such like just oh man the guy sucks so (laughs) (laughs) so i i think that you guys could be helping out graham cracker in this trying time in two ways fix their window and also support them during this time because i i don't know if they're still taking orders or if they're even open but you know when this whole thing passes i'm sure there's going to be a lot of catching up to do for all these small shops and it's going to be hard so I, i think a lot of people should definitely practice some patience too when they do go back to these shops after 
they've been closed for two and a half weeks. You know, it's going to be lines out the door. It's going to be crazy. Things may be disorganized. It's going to be a mess for everyone. That, yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, and just for, yeah, for, for comic book fans to be mindful of that and, and the ramifications of um, what's happening and for them to close for such a long time. Um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of bedlam, I'm imagining, um, until kind of the dust settles. But, um, you know, if you can, I'm just pulling up the um, the website now. So there was a, an open letter which a lot of um, comic book stores, local comic book shops, um, have signed on to be part of this open letter. It's from BrokenFrontier.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. And, um, and let me it's an open letter to, um, to comic readers. So uh, in addition to what Joey mentioned, like definitely being, being patient with, um, with your orders and um, you know, with, with tracking your pull list and stuff, um, the way that you can support them your comic book store is to, if you haven't already, to start a standing order, um, and uh, if you don't, if you don't have one, um, this way it kind of can obviously it, it um, is a not not really a guarantee these days with the, the standing orders because people sometimes don't pick them up, but it is yeah. some sort of assur- <laughs> some sort of assurance to the LCSs that you know this is their stock like um, coming in or this is what they have to supply. Um, please clear your order at least once a month as well this is mentioned and i want to actually mention too because a lot of these points um are common to uh i subscribe to the jeff lemire uh, newsletter as well uh moon knight alumni great writer and he did the same thing as well i think he tweeted something similar about ways that you can support your local comic book store so clear out your order at least once a month um any little extras that you can order um that wouldn't that would go a long way as well um so uh yeah so if you if you add on top of your standing order i mean it sounds obvious but um please consider that um signal boosting on social media your local comic book store so joey tick there for uh, for graham cracker <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm checking off all these boxes and also my heart is swelling because jeff lemire is probably probably has my favorite moon knight run mm. and to see him speaking the gospel just brings my heart full of joy <laughs> he, he tweeted it out like a, a good fair few days before this was kind of dropped um so yeah and, and finally as joey said just be patient um when they're operating on reduced staff reduced hours and reduced access to their stores so um if you can exercise all those above, um, then you're you're doing really well. Uh, and I'm just going to have a little look if um, your comic book store has been part of this. So, um, so the people that have um, that have linked themselves, the LCSs to this open letter, uh, the likes of uh, Gosh Comics from London, Big Bang Comics from Ireland, oh, Impact Comics from Australia. There we go. Um, and there's a whole heap of American ones here. Comic City, the Comic Shop. Stop me if you heard any of these, Joey. Um, Golden Eagle Comics and Games. I know um, Josh... Geronimo! Johnson would have been um, part of that somewhere. 21. Um, hmm. Titan Comics, Hooked on Comics. Um, oh, yeah, there's... Comics Envy, Cosmic Co- Cosmic Monkey Comics. Look, they're whole, they're all over the place here. I'm um, just having a look, quick look if there's any from Chicago. I'm convinced that all comic book stores aren't real. Like their names are just not real. They all sound 
Yeah. Like they exist in comics. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like only it's like not like diegetic to the real world at all, so Exactly. <laughs> Zeppelin comics, there you go. Doctor Knows comics. Um Cape and Cal. Very good. Anyway, there's a whole heap of them there. Um so please do support your comic book store, um, loonies if you can. Uh yeah, I mean finally Joey, I don't know, current comic books that you're reading are you reading the the marvel event empire at all no you know what i that was one of the things that's on my list or on my pull list yeah and i'm i just haven't picked them up <laughs> uh, yep, yep. so i don't even know what if they cu- have come out i just i look through you know stuff that has moon knight or has characters that i'm interested in and just throw it on the pull list and that was on there. I just I haven't got a chance. Have you been reading it at all? No, I haven't. This is one of the events that I've actually have no idea. I mean, I, I know the the premise, the, the very basic premise. Um, but yeah, I have not been following it at all. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's any good. Um, it might be tied to Outlawed as well. That's another big kind of event that's happening in Marvel. Um, the teenage superheroes are are kind of being. Um, Outlawed, <laughs> for want of a better word. Um, so we're getting the titles, the likes of the new Warriors, which I'm very excited about. I don't know if you saw any news about that, Joey. No, man. I honestly have been completely out of the loop in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly have kind of as well. Um, just kind of gearing up for the um, the Age of Conchu coming up, really. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the, only, the only age worth ushering in. <laughs> and uh, that was my very kind of suave segue there, Joey, because uh, going on to white noise, our news, <laughs> two, bits of, um, two bits of news only uh, that are worth mentioning. Again, loonies, there are just there's so many on fan casting and, I don't know, um, when is Moon Knight coming out on Disney Plus? And and then a whole lengthy description of Moon Knight. We all know who he is and what he does. Um, but the two bits of news here, Joey. The first one, Avengers 35. This is, I think, part three. Would be part three of Age of Conchu. And that, this was released in the um, Newsarama Marvel June 2020 solicitations. So um, just reading here. So by Jason Aaron, Javier Garon. Uh, beautiful cover there of uh, Moon Knight with Mjolnir over Thor uh, by Matteo Scalera, um, and there's some variant covers as well. Joey, do you want to read out the um, the little synopsis? Yeah, so I haven't, I, you know, I feel like a cheater because I haven't actually read this. The only thing I've really read is the Arkham Knight, or Arkham Asylum, uh, Grant Morrison stuff, but either way... Here is my description. I'm going to read it all bland. An empowered, godlike Moon Knight has just saved the world from fiery, or fiery ruin, depending on your pronunciation. Now an army of mummies and moon priests begins to reshape the world in the image of modern or of ancient Egypt. That's different. But where does that leave the Avengers? Broken, imprisoned, or on the run in the moonlit streets of New Thebes City? Hmm tantalizingly um kind of vague um but you know enough there to kind of give you a little oh well not much give you a little bit but this is sounding pretty cool joey i mean i can't wait for yeah this sounds interesting this is this i'm really into this this i need to pick this up yeah well i, I had a little look at league of comic 
geeks. Um, that's the kind of repository I always look for for new comics and stuff coming out week to week. Um, and the issue 33, which is part one, is meant to drop in April, and I wanted to get a, a firm date for that. Now, 33 and 34 seem to have dropped off the list. I don't know what's happened, whether that means it's going to be delayed or anything. Um, yeah. So April and probably. May, yeah, April and May, it's kind of up in the air again. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, stay tuned, loonies, and we'll keep you up to date with that. But um, it should start soon. Um, I mean, we're ending March now, so um, that would be very exciting. Jason Aaron, always good, always a good writer. Um, and Javier Garon, a pretty pretty decent artist as well. Are you familiar with um, with either of those guys? Oh, obviously, Aaron's work. Yeah, a little bit of Jason Aaron, but uh, not really of uh, Javier Garon. Um, so, anything that you would recommend? Oh, um. Jason Aaron or Javier? Oh, of Javier. Just like stuff that that really seems, I don't know, eye-catching that he's done. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. (laughs) Um, You caught me out again here, Joey. Uh, Ooh, I gotcha. (laughs) But I have have definitely seen his stuff before. Um, I'm just um, checking... Doing a, a, a bit of a, a quick thing now. I'm doing a Google and I'm, I've come up with a, a small horse. Um, so maybe Geron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looks like he did uh, Miles Morales. Miles Morales, yeah. The 2019 run of that. So yeah, interesting. I wonder. I wonder if he did the um, uh, Carnage stuff. He could have. If he I did, mean... then I am familiar a little bit with with his art. So. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I see some images of um, Venom here, Doctor Strange as well, so he's done a bit of that, um, and it looks like he's done um, a Fantastic Four and Spider-Man as well, so um, so pretty cool, can't wait to see him do the Age of Age of Conchu, that'll be good, he, he, nice, nice level of detail in his artwork. Um, yeah, excellent, so Loonies, if you haven't seen it already, we've posted up in the group and on the page, the um, the front cover for issue 35, should be exciting. Uh, and the second bit of news is kind of related to this, uh, there was a little tweet from Donny Cates, um, and there was an article as well that was also released, um, explaining that no, Moon Knight is not worthy to lift Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. So funnily enough, we do say that on issue 35, but Donny Cates, um, he kind of clarifies there was a little bit of spectolation in the Damnation event, and those of you will know, uh, it was, was it last year or even the year before last, 2018? I think it was 18, yeah. 18 going into 19. Yeah, it was a crossover event and Doctor Strange, Moon Knight was very tangential in it, but he did, there was a scene where he was trying to pick up the hammer and uh, apparently it kind of moved or it, 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 I can't even remember these days. Anyway. He was like grasping for it and it like slipped through his hand and I think a lot of people were like, oh, is he picking it up? I remember there was a huge thing about this on our uh, Facebook page too. Yeah, yeah, and I oh, I didn't really... I mean, the way that he was depicted anyway in that event was a little bit, uh, let's just say, forgettable for me. Um, but, but anyway, Donny Cage... <laughs> Always. Cut. Moon Knight and crossovers, man. It's just something that it should be better than it is, but it's not. 
Well then, let me put this to you then, Joey. Um, just quickly after that damnation, what were your thoughts on Moon Knight in Contagion? If you'd read it, and or I didn't finish Contagion, so I can't. I can't give you okay. an accurate feel on that. How about Serpent War? I didn't. You know, I haven't read that either. I, ah. I haven't read anything in the last probably. four four or five months uh, oh, like modern okay. comics right yeah well i mean i'd recommend i'm a bad fan <laughs> no not at all i i'd recommend um conan serpent war actually moon knight is uh he's pretty good in that um what you said earlier i think relate also goes um and relates to the contagion run um although moon knight has a big part in that i i still think his interpretation was wasn't the best unfortunately from ed brisson um so yeah, he's he's had a bad run with with, with um with team up crossovers and such, uh, but anyway, so Donny Kate says he tweeted lots of misunderstanding about this scene in Damnation, uh, which is my fault as the writer. But no, Moon Knight is not worthy in this panel. Mjolnir was already lifting in preparation to fly back to Thor. He just happens to be grabbing it as it lifted. Sorry. So <laughs> so Donny Kate's kind of um, puts that to bed for anyone thinking but having said that issue 35 on the avengers front cover kind of in your face <laughs> i mean that sense if i could get like a super cut of donny cates just roasting people on, like because he does this on twitter all the time i oh, he does? be really into that oh right wow was it's pretty uh got a bit, a bit of a vicious tongue yeah, but in a good way, oh, you know, okay. yeah, like just calling out people being stupid, and okay. I, I guess bigoted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, well, good. I, well, then, deservedly. He's got so. a good presence. He's got a good Twitter presence. Cool. Well, um, all right, Joey. Well, how about like we've um we've gone just for a bit. Why don't we take a little break now, and uh, when we come back, loonies, we will get straight into our. Modern run review, a Luna Peak modern run <laughs> It's all gone. Okay, our Luna Peak modern run review, Moon Knight issue six, volume six from Brian Michael Bendis. The devil was once the most beautiful and favored of all the heavenly host, but once infected with the sin of pride, he was cast out of the Lord's sight into the farthest depths of hell. In his humiliation. The devil raged, "'Tis better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. My offspring, the October Pod, will one day conquer mankind and all the Lord's works. And so, reborn once each month at 1.38 a.m. by man's reckoning of time, the October Pod rises from its slumber, seeking what bold individualists it may devour." Edward October presents Octoberpod, a terrifying spook show. Available now on YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and at OctoberpodVHS.com. Octoberpod, retro horror for bold individualists. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 138. I am with fellow Looney, Joey. How you going, Joey? I just finished my tea, so I'm probably going to be a little bit more hopped up. 
<laughs> excellent, excellent. Is that a um, is there a little bit of something something in that tea, Joey? Uh, no, <laughs> just a little Earl Grey, a little a little bit of bergamot. That's that's all. Okay, you know. <laughs> no worries. Um, welcome back, loonies. We are here now to talk about the issue that we all came here to talk about. Was that good English? I can't. I don't know. It is. Uh, a, it, yeah. Was that okay? <laughs> Uh, it, it was a, it was a mouthful. I'll say that much, but it was a good mouthful. And also I, I like the concept of like this being the issue for some reason, like somebody being really, really pumped to be like, I just can't wait to issue six of the Bendis run. Uh, dude, oh, dude, let me, let me tell you. It's so good. <laughs> you know, who know, hopefully there is someone out there that... Because I do know, like, there are a lot of... Some loonies that have their favourite issues. If I can actually... Actually, just ask you now, Joey. What's your favourite? Do, do you have one? Favourite Moon Knight Ooh, issue? That's... You know what? That's hard. I, I think it's... I think it's something between... Uh, either one from the Scarlet Redemption arc. Uh, there's also one... Oh God! I think it's number thirty-four in the mention uh, Sinkevich run, and then the first issue of the the Houston and Finch run. That one's so good. That issue thirty-four so is that is that the music box one? No, no. Oh, it's the um, it's like no. It hit it. That's the name of it. Hit it. That's such a good. Oh, such a good about issue. yes. I don't remember the numbers because I'm terrible at remembering. Yeah, no, hit it. I know that was the. So um, good. Yeah, that was. I think we did review that as well. Um, That's somewhere down back with um, with Conishu. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Yeah, I do like issue five of volume one, the Mensch one. I don't know why. It's the um, the kind of to me, it's a pseudo Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know the the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The scary mum. And the and the dead husband and and the the son, that was pretty cool. But um, anyway, yep, yeah, issue six might be someone's favourite. So I hope <laughs> we do it justice to you, Looney, um, out there, Loonies out there. Uh, so anyway, this is available on Marvel Unlimited. It's on Comicsology and or the Marvel Store uh, Kindle as well. Uh, it's available in floppy still. I'm sure you guys, um, I'm sure you guys over there in the US of A can find it in a bargain bin. That was me just being slightly salty at the fact that you know there are no bargain bins here in Australia. <laughs> Australia. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, also, there's an out of print trade paperback if you can somehow track that down. Uh, I'm going to be reading it out of volume one of the hardcover format, which was um, re released. That's the one I have too. Oh, you do? Do you have the full hardcover format or the the hard? Yeah, it's all the issues. That's um, good. Yeah, that's it's right in front of me right now. I wanted to get that as well. Um, this is what I think this was released a few years before that or around. Um, and it'd been out of print. Actually, it was around 2011. I think it was printed. It, it um, collects in hardcover issues one to seven, and then um, the five issues um, separately. Um, so, any which way you read it, loonies, uh, this was released in October 2011, and we have writers uh, writer Brian Michael Bendis, penciler Alex Malieve. He does the inks as well. Colorist Matthew Wilson, letterer Corey Petit. And editor Tom Bravort. Now, for those that don't or haven't listened before, Joey and I, we will go through um, 
A Bare Bones, which is a synopsis, just in case if you just want a roundabout way of knowing what's uh, what this thing's about. And then Joe and I will break it down into some aspects, uh, writing, artwork, themes, characterizations, any references, just to really kind of, you know, get get thorough with our, with our review. I was about to say, I'm ready to get thorough. <laughs> I'm just saying now, I'm just so Thank ready, caffeinated and ready to be thorough. Excellent. Well, Joey, why don't you hit our loonies with the bare bones? All right, I'm gonna beat this over your y'all's heads. So this is just like, I didn't write this description. This Mm -hmm. is from a wiki, right? Yep. Okay, I'm just reading it. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) All right. The next morning, while Buck is working on the Ultron head, and that's Buck line, by the way, he watches the morning news to see found footage on the screen of Mark's evening. That's a terrible sentence. Buck uses his old shield contact to try and reach Sharon Carter, but he is redirected to a mailbox. Meanwhile, the night shifts stand before Snapdragon to answer for their failure. However, they are redirected to the L.A. Kingpin, Count Nefaria. Uh, Nefaria questions if Mark gave away any intel on a stolen Ultron head, but once they confirm nothing was mentioned of the head, the Count horrendously murders the group. Murders. Uh, later, uh, Maya breaks into Mark's home to wake him up. She comes to apologize for attacking Mark the prior night repeatedly. The two discuss the emotions and trials of their profession, but she ultimately needs a place to stay and lay low. Maya makes herself comfortable. That evening, Mark is in bed with Maya, but they are awakened by Steve, Peter, Logan, and others in the flesh. They received Buck's call to Mark's annoyance regarding the Ultron head. The Avengers want to interfere as this is their pay grade. However, Mark has a lead on the LA Kingpin is not ready to surrender the head just yet. This is like Final Fantasy VII. Mark tells Steve that he wants to use the head as bait to expose the Kingpin and take him out. Steve is hesitant on Mark's plan, but agrees to let him move forward. Yes, there you go. Loonies, that was the bare bones, courtesy of Wiki. I feel like I just got called on to read out loud in language arts class. <laughs> it, it, it is a challenge in the way, Joey, that um, you get things thrown at you grammatically and you've just got to try not to be... <laughs> they're like mines. you just got to try not... <laughs> no, I, I was trying to, but, dude, my leg is gone. You know, I can't fully avoid... <laughs> That's it, um, and, and definitely, I I have awakened myself. So, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. I, I I just like reading it like in that. Ri- but they awaken by Steve. <laughs> also, it's kind of r- wrong though, because it's like that evening. Mark is in bed with Maya. Like they don't like that implies I don't know that they slept together. They're not like in bed together. Yeah, man, I'm gonna slap the shit out of this wiki writer. Well, thank, <laughs> thankfully, I, I guess they have the the benefit of being an anonymity, actually. So, uh, whoever wrote it can just like you know, tra li la li la away. Um, no, was it no. you, Ray? No, I know it wasn't me. No, 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 it wasn't me. No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm not going to claim your it, English no. is a lot more refined than that. That's for sure, <laughs> to say the very least. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, anyway, loonies, it does give you a gist of of this. Um, this story, 
make of it what you will, that riding, uh, that bare bones. So, Joey, I'm just going to ask, always, overall, impress, overall impressions of this issue. Um, had you reacquainted, reacquainted yourself with issues one to five before, or did you go into this cold? I went into this cold, um, which... I think is kind of important, at least to me, if you're reviewing like individual issues and like you're doing it in a manner that you are, where you're kind of, you know, sporadically going from run to run and doing other things to the podcast. Cause I think it helps you see the issue fresh, like almost as if it would be like if you picked it up from the newsstand or newsstand. What is this? The nineties? You, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> What's going on, Joey? Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm just like lost, stuck in a time loop, man. Um, which, but I think that that's, you know, that speaks to Marvel's main editorial impetus of like each issue sort of standing on its own mm. to some extent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 I guess I could have reacquainted myself, but I kind of wanted to keep it, keep it like that. So, and 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 you did find it. How did you find it then? Just um, uh... overall, ah, uh, it's no, it's not a bad issue actually. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good one. All things considered, um, there's some some stuff in here that I don't like or I think is a little... I, I can nitpick pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, but I think overall this issue is pretty good. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of... Do you want me just to start exploding on this? Like, should I yeah, just yeah, start? for sure. Yeah, go. All yeah, right, so, yeah, let's talk about the writing a little bit. Yeah. Um, writing's okay for the most part. Um but it's I, I noticed that I think this run in general, but this issue specifically, is very sort of cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, if you look at this issue in in the grand scheme of things, not a lot happens. But I think that because there's so little plot development in this issue, it gives a lot of room for like tone and mood and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I think that that it largely delivers. Like you've got a really interesting contrast of of colors here where it's like a lot of teal contrasted with orange. And then those two colors are really prominent and there's like some gray to balance it out. And, uh, I, you know, none of the characters are super out of character. They don't really say a whole lot of things that are bothersome. Mm. I'm going to nitpick one little thing about, about it though and there's two things in here that just that do the thing that i hate about moon knight where it's overselling the crazy you know Mm. yep and and, okay so there's one it's like it's like the reporter it's like the uh, like buck lime watching this news reporter like from a distance and the reporter says something uh, scene onlookers called crazy and like in put in like I don't know juxtaposes that with Moon Knight because you need to know that it's crazy and you don't need to tell me that Moon Knight is crazy just show it you know you, you, I'm so sick of him just being like I haven't I've never taken my crazy pills today you know so yeah it's kind of like um know. it's kind of like being hammered over the head with with that point um, and especially if you are a Moon Knight fan, it's kind of, okay, I get, we know, we know, okay, that that's his angle, <laughs> that's his gimmick, okay, but they keep on reinforcing it. Maybe it's because um, for, for this, maybe this is being 
um, catered towards people that aren't familiar with Moon Knight, so they're really trying to get the message across. But you're right, it's quite obvious, isn't it? Um, it not only this issue, the lead-up to everything is just... It's just how... It's all based on how crazy Mark is. Um. Right, and there's a, there's a line, too, that Mark says when he's kind of interrupted by Echo... Uh, or Maya when he's she just kind of comes in his room and he says something like I don't know how to act normal and I'm doing the best I can to keep up appearances yeah and I feel like that's that's kind of out of character in a way and stop me if I'm wrong here but I feel like it's kind of out of character because it's it's like trying to make him vulnerable Mm. But I feel, and that's fine because I think that maybe he needed a little bit of vulnerability after kind of like the really, really strong 90s machismo and even (laughs) early 2000s. Um, But like, I just feel like Bendis sort of wrote him a little bit too incompetent in this entire run. And this is just, it it like typifies the problem. Um, So I I don't know. What does that say about Moon Knight in general though? Like... That he doesn't know how to act normal and he's doing the best he can to keep up appearances. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that line as well. Um, I I feel, you know, um, I feel Bendis, yeah, doesn't write him in, in in proper character. And I only say proper in the way I think, you know, this is my just personal view that Moon Knight should be. Because uh, as you say as well, the 90s uh, and even the early 2000s, it shows, sure, it showed a different Moon Knight as well. But even if you look at the classic run, if you look at that seminal run by uh, Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz, the way Moon Knight um, goes, sure, he's a little uncertain at times as well. But, um, yeah, he doesn't come across at, as it seems here... Um, yeah, what's the word? Vulnerable, as you're saying, or um, or I I know it's like part of his arc in a way because he you know he hits the bottom and then he has to pull himself out and like when he pulls himself out he's probably a little weaker than he was before so he's probably a little bit more flawed, but I I think like I try not to look at that like subjectively I try not to think like this is not what I want Moon Knight to be mm. and this and like X is not how I want Moon Knight to be and yeah, Y sure. is but yeah, like right. objectively I do think it makes him. A little incompetent because like what he doesn't really do a lot in this entire run like in these 12 this is 12 issues right yeah this yeah whole, yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah he doesn't really do a lot he, even like and i don't want to step too much beyond issue six but mm. he he kind of like what does he do in this issue no. just kind oh, of this is complaints yeah this is this, <laughs> yeah this is a big thing i mean as well and, and you touched upon it earlier about this um uh, sure, it doesn't have much going on at the moment because, again, I I, I truly believe Bendis he, he writes for for more holistically, not the serial the serial format. He's just he's just written something and he's broken things up. Um, and you know, there's a little bit like the two main points here, writing wise, and and again, I think the writing wise, uh, writing here is quite serviceable. I think that the dialogue is quite good. Um, there aren't as many, yeah, yeah there in aren't, context, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree, yeah, uh, but yeah. like as you say, there are those. Uh, I liked his um, like if you're talking about trying to subtly show. Um, Moon Knight. I, I loved his thing where where Echo does appear in his room and he asks her straight away, "Look, uh, are you real?" As well. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and then witty. yeah, and then the twist at the end, which I thought was cool, about having the Avengers there, 
and they are real because we've been set up so much with having Spider-Man, Wolvie and, and Cap as his other identities. So I like that little play that that Bendis has um, there. But you're right, uh, the, I think the tone of Mark and the way he's written here, uh, even looking at it, I'm agreeing actually, Joey, like looking at it objectively, um, where he was left off in the bottom, uh, or actually not even bottom, the Benson run at the end, um, towards mm-hmm. the end of that run, where he decides to go back um, and he decides to go to L.A. Well, actually, he decides to go to New York, but he's ended up in L.A. for some reason in 2011. <laughs> ben just, just, just decides to put him there. Um, but yeah, the there, spring break. Yeah, exactly. But there, there is a... Um, there is a level of like resolve and steel in him by the end of that series. And so to him right. to come back here, sure, maybe he's making inroads with his production, TV, movie or film production as Stephen Grant. He, he's got that there. But, yeah, he, he does largely seem like an uncertain, um, you know, character. Albeit, though, at the end, he's, he does stick to his guns with the Avengers and he does convince them to follow what he has planned out. I mean, you, you're talking about Mark Spector's going up to Steve Rogers, who is a master strategist, you know, a guy that his mind works on a different level because it's um, peak human performance. Um, and he says, no, 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 just, you know, hear me out. Uh, we're going to take this to Count Nefaria and, uh, yeah, then we're going to kind of take him, which seems very counterintuitive. So I kind of like that instance of Mark as well. That seemed very... That seemed kind of... Um, I want to say actually strategic, tactical. Yeah, yeah, tactical. But I want to say accurate. But actually, having said that, he has really not shown that many traits of that beforehand. I mean, I'm only working off also the handbook of the Marvel universe as well. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of information you can glean from from that. And he's meant to be a master strategist as well. You don't necessarily see that in in the the comic series that he's in, um, but. Um, that's always kind of stuck with my mind, just because of his backing and CIA and and you know in Merc and 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 a big yeah, and the whole idea of peak performance, like Moon Knight try, or Mark trying to stand up to that or like trying to mm. con- like contribute to that in a way after he's been cut from the West Coast Avengers and stuff, mm. and yeah, it's in peak performance in the sense that like like me after Earl Grey or <laughs> you know that's just how it is. Yeah, uh, but there's a. There's another really interesting line too in that whole sequence with Echo. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was says, a long scene. <laughs> yeah, it was a yeah. I guess not little. Um, yeah. uh, but he says like you know he, he says you're doing what I'm doing like uh, you just kind of make it up as you go along. And then she says, I I think that you're just projecting that onto me. And I think that this is actually a really good, even though I I kind of disagree with like making Mark not as confident or determined, but I I think that this is a really good exchange and really good writing because it's like, it ties into Mark's psychology a little bit. Like Mm. projecting is definitely like a defense mechanism. And so that's something that somebody with so many personalities and so many like little Swiss cheese holes in these personalities would easily do like rely on something like projection, like without even like realizing it almost like paper thinly. So I, I really like this whole exchange, but it, all right, maybe I'm insane. Um, but I, one of the reasons why I'd like this issue a lot is because 
there's a sense of nuance and ambiguity in it. Like, I mean, yeah, the Avengers are there, but are they really there? It's kind of weird. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, Echo yeah. being there is kind of weird. And even though, like, it, they are there technically in issue seven, like, that's kind of brought up, it's still a little... Like, I, in my head canon, <laughs> this is like, you're unsure if it's like a a figment of his imagination or not. Well, that's good. I mean, I didn't pick that up, but yeah, you're absolutely right Because, there. because like, 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 look at how, like, right before he starts seeing Echo, yep. he sees his visions or whatever. Yeah. And then he sees Echo, and then she's kind of, like, questioning him in the same way that the uh, his like avengers personalities are yeah and he kind of like does adopt an echo personality later in the series to in the run for like a second after she dies but like you know it's it it, it might like the way that it's written it it it, it 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 could go either way and that's what i think makes us strong you know there's that sense of ambiguity and that that's really good i actually I, I like that take i i didn't um see it myself but the fact that yeah you can um maybe consider that echo is a figment of his imagination because that was the thing that kind of brought you back um or or kind of clinched it for you when echo sees the avengers you're thinking oh okay so they they are real but yeah but what if echo isn't real herself and i like that and i reckon bendis could have played that a bit more um uh, maybe i didn't really pick up on that because i just um yeah, I just assumed that she was real. Um, I'm just having a look now. She doesn't really do anything. Like she doesn't punch him or anything, and it kind of makes sense because um, yeah, ma- she like just like touches his face. Yeah, but if you look closely, like there's no no like hard physical contact. It's almost like ethereal, mm. and so and 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 look at there's uh, I don't know what page it is because I'm, I'm I have this open on a graphic novel. But there's like when they when the, when he first sees the Avengers in his room after talking to Echo, it's a really cool visual element because it's like they're all pretty much single panels, but the top is this long double panel across two pages. So you have these like looming Avengers faces, and then in the middle, like it kind of cuts them down a little bit, and then at the end, on like the bottom part of the page, it like trickles down. So it's almost kind of like they're sort of fading you know like fading out or like dissipating sort of um it's it's a really really cool artistic touch that fits the whole scene super well oh look i'll put that down to Malieve as well yeah i don't know how much layout say bendis has but no that is a good touch absolutely absolutely um i was also just thinking as well um another thing that kind of lends itself towards echo being a figment is that um Mark gets the apology he's probably wanting from her about her punching the hell out of him in the previous issues. Yeah. Um, so again, like, and that be, could be just him. But I love this idea that you mentioned that it could be really just a um, a um, psychology kind of evaluation of himself, like him just talking out and, and using um, Echo as a soundboard or the figment of Echo as a soundboard to, to work on his... Uh, mental issues. I think that's really, um, really cool. Because uh, oh, well, she's like, she's like also kind of submissive though in in their exchange. Mm. She seems a little submissive. 
she's like she's or she's like uh, it wasn't entirely one-sided like he apologized for kissing her or whatever it wasn't entirely one-sided like subtle ethereal touch and then like later he's just like kind of like it's one of the top panels i remember he's just kind of like touching her shoulders yes like sexily and I don't know that this is just the more I talk about it, the more I'm starting to to buy into my own theory that like it's kind of you know a- ambiguously real. Well, the end. So yeah. It, yeah, it's almost like a power fa- or like power fantasy or like just kind of fantasy in general. Like the the hot girl comes in my room at night and says, "Ooh, I'm so like, ooh, it wasn't one sided. I do want to smooch it, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing." Well, another thing actually that um. Is, is for this kind of theory as well, Joey. And it was one of my points for the art was that what I found a little um, unerring was that Echo, who for all intents is um, is deaf uh, and she needs people to, to see people's faces to actually read their lips and understand what they're talking about. Uh, many times here you see both of the, um, her faces turned away and Mark's talking and she right, addresses... Right, she's not even looking, yep. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she, she hears him. So... Again, if this is a figment of Mark's imagination, um, of course that little detail could easily just slip and an echo could just understand him regardless of whether Mark's looking at her or not. Um, all this, Joey, sounds really good, though, um, but as you did say, not getting into the further issues, um, there's also the, the notion of, of, um, of Buck Lime as well here, but he could maybe be a, a figment as well because um, Buck's here. Oh, uh- was he, was he in the later part of the issue? I thought he was only in the beginning. No, he's um he's in amongst the Avengers as well. He's standing there. Um, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe could be, could be not. Um, I like I like your theory, Joey. I think that's um that would have actually added a whole deeper level to this story, and I probably would have given it a lot more uh, if. Bendis maybe played on that a bit more. Um, maybe, and I'm kind of contradicting myself now because I mentioned earlier about him hitting us over the head with a hammer. Maybe if he brought that out hmm. a little bit, a bit more, a little bit more obvious that um, a little bit obvious that it could be ambiguous. I don't know how you do that, but I think that's um, that's you... Marvel in a, in a <laughs> nutshell, though. Yeah, like you know, like, like this, like um, these amazing sequences of nuance and whatever, and then just big giant obvious hammer bashing <laughs> yeah. you in the face and spoon feeding you the plot and you know it, it's such a weird dynamic that marvel oh, it <laughs> manages it is in general um any any other f- um things on writing maybe joey that you think um uh, that you liked I'll look, I, I can kick you off here if, um anyway so you mentioned because there are to me there are two big scenes and, and you mentioned the the echo mark scene which is a big one um, what are your thoughts on Count Nefaria? The the reveal. He, it's the first full reveal of him, and um, and night yeah. shift. Yeah. So his full full reveal, like his actual like coming down or whatever, because he literally just descends. Yeah. It, oh, I remember when I was first reading this, I was like, Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is. You know, maybe that's intentional, too, because it's like he could look like anyone else because he's just not really that important. Like, he's not as really as, like, cool and mysterious as he thinks he is or, like, as big and menacing. Maybe he just looks like everybody else. Yeah. Um, But the whole sequence with Nefaria 
Nefarious? Or no, ne- nefaria. Nefaria. Nefa- yeah. I guess he's Italian, right? So it'd be like Nefaria. But like either way, um, if I'm gonna be like Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, he. I think it's actually a pretty good little scene. I mean, I can say whatever about his whole arc in this run, but I think in this issue, it's it's actually pretty good because he comes down and he chastises um, Snapdragon. And then he's just like he just roasts those grunts mm. that he has like for messing up for letting uh, everyone get away, and then I really like that cut where he's like, or I think it's Snapdragon says it's best to look away, and then it like cuts, yes. and then it just shows like his mouth, and then you see like smoke and embers and stuff, yeah, and then that's it, and then later you see like a smoldering ruins. I think that's awesome. It makes him look scary as hell, mm-hmm. even though he's not in even the slightest bit. No, <laughs> no, um. And I mean, these grunts, though, Joey. They are. I mean, because I, you haven't, you hadn't read the uh, reread um, issues one to five. They, they, this is the night shift, right? So they're they're not yeah, a, yeah. a big deal, but they are well known. They are known in the Marvel universe. So he's actually Bendis is in one fell swoop. Yeah, he's taken some chances, man. Sorry. He's taken some chances. He's taken some chances. I mean, yeah. Granted, they aren't. I mean, I talked about TikTok and all that. They didn't. They aren't the best, but um, I don't know. I, I found this. I, I found it was visually really fun to look at. Um, the predictability card, though, I, I could kind of see it coming a mile away. Or even though these guys are the night shift, and you think, okay, well, surely they won't be be killed. But you know the old trope, Joey, of um, of like a villain or a head villain coming over and just to kind of um, stamp his his authority over his, his right. grunts, he just kills them. And, and I was kind of, you know, seeing this coming. It had to be something big. had to be something bombastic from, from Count Nefaria. Um, and, he, and he did it. And these guys, um, I don't know all their names, they, they kind of goaded him all, almost as well. I guess maybe out of yeah. desperation, they started kind of mouthing off at him, but that's not going to help you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he killed you them Well, I kind of like that because, it, but it, it, it sort of, engages in this dialogue with the reader too of because you kind of think that you almost have the thought of the shit talking night shift grunts Mm, yeah you almost think like oh yeah what's he gonna do and then he roasts them and it's like oh shit well damn (laughs) you know like oops and i think i think that that's that's actually pretty good writing yeah in my opinion again you can say what you want about like the greater context of the universe or the characters but in this issue, I think it's good. I don't know. It's, okay. And I, I like that contrast with, like, the blue of the room, too. Because like, it's like you go... Or purple of the room. You go from this orange to this this purple. And then, like, this... The whole issue runs on this gradient that's, like, really visually appealing. And, mm. like, it keeps that pacing up. Um I think the the um the colors and the um effects in that bit where the night shifter are basically dying and all those rays are kind of spewing out of their eyes and mouth and I really love that visual effect there of the red and the yellow and and the the stark white like a a big burst of light um I think some really cool stuff happening uh and even there's there's a texture there as well uh you're getting that on your um copy as well right um in that explosion that nefaria does there's um I don't know what you call it. it is it mottled or there's like a uh Oh yeah, a circle, like little ash. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, quite nice. I mean, so that adds. I mean, again, I think you'd 
maybe give that to Maleev. I think he does stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, I think Maleev really carries this issue, to be honest. Mm. Like, I think he... I even if I, I could just imagine the story being kind of whatever mm. and him trying to they'd be like, Oh, you could do this really interestingly. Like it's a really good I can see the the writer's room dynamic going on here. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um any other any other notes on art or uh, or any other big notes on a um I don't have anything on themes really. I mean as you with with this issue there's really not much there's some other stuff on art too. Yeah. A little bit. I got some other. So it's like, I kind of mentioned this before, but it's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like the pacing is very cinematic, the way it, it shifts perspectives mm-hmm. and again changes like the color. Um, I think it flows pretty snappily, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it, it's kind of almost like 90s, like noir sort of, and I eat that up. <laughs> and then there's that shower scene where it kind of cuts to those like dark colors to the light of the shower scene. Uh, that's really cool. And you see like the blood running down and then like the empty room and the shadows. It's really, it's really moody. It is. You moody, know? Yeah. And, and that, but in a, not in an edgy way, but just in a, it sets this tone, mm. which I think, you know, the rest of the run maybe doesn't, pick up on but like again in the context of this issue it's great and so it's like again you could you could you could talk about that the the warm and the cold colors too it's like kind of the that weird dynamic with with mark too is he like is he friendly is he smart is he like trying to be emotionally engaged is he just being a hard ass like how much of this is is machismo how much of it is like genuine virtue and there, there's a lot of like really cool subtle things with with the art too. I, I also really like those those like landscapes, like the setting shots, yeah, the setting panels, really good. So yeah, thanks, Maliev. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, what really stood out for me as well were those um, establishing shots of the of the landscape as well. But if you look at um, the the beginning with with Buck Lime, and in the warehouse scene with uh, the villains, uh, a lot of detail is given to the backgrounds, um, which I think really does add a lot. Because I think I um, was a little critical, I think in some of the past issues as well, of there just being... Um, he's already got in this in this whole run, Malief, he's already got a different style to that that he did in Daredevil. It's a, little, a lot more sketchier, which... I believe is an intentional yeah. thing for this series, right? Um, so he's deliberately done it that way. Um, but I think by adding more detail in his backgrounds, I think it just adds so much, um, so much to it. And he didn't have that in some of the issues before. Uh, as you mentioned as well with the shadows, I love it as well. There, there's a lot of a lot of faces in shadow here. Um, so Count Nefaria, there's Mark as well. And look at that first shot too with Buck Lime in that on that rooftop. You yeah. see these like it's like a shadow of the window across these crates mm. and it just looks really good, man. It's really good. No, that it's um that's really cool. And and he always does a really cool moon night that that's flowing kind of cape. It just it's like it's um I know it's been say formless. Um, just very abstract, really cool. Oh, very Spawn. And speaking yeah. of which, when Count Nefaria drops down, I was like, Spawn? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, like, he kind of comes from the, like, the, 
the the from the top kind of like spawn. I don't I don't know. Oh, I just thought I thought of um 1989's. Oh, I'll just say it, the one reference uh, 1989 Tim Burton's Batman, um, just crashing through that skylight. Um, I mean, I know a lot of uh, heroes have done it, but that's uh, <laughs> what I thought immediately. Uh, yeah. So okay. Um, so with the art there as well, I didn't pick up any references to any other runs per se. Um, this is very much just a self-contained uh, issue in itself. Uh, there's there's like a reference to his stint in the West Coast Avengers. Oh yeah. And then there's something from the the reporter about like it says something about Red Skull's Blitzkrieg. I remember. Oh. Was that something in the previous issues, or was that just something that? Was it just like a throwaway line just to um, engage the universe or something? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I mean, you're right there. The Red Skull's Blitzkrieg, I I don't know. But I'm sh- that does sound like a very a very um, concrete bit of evidence, um, of, uh, of a reference there to, to something else. So we're talking 2011. I, I can't for the life of me. Yeah, I didn't read a lot of stuff from this era, to be honest. But yeah. There's, oh, and going back a little bit to... The whole crazy thing, there's a, I forgot who calls him, but somebody calls him like a C-list crazy superhero. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, That was the, the villains uh, the saying, look, we got six of you to pick up a, yeah, Night Shift. Um, Snapdragon was saying, we got the six of you to just take out two of them, and you couldn't do that. Um, who, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting because I mean, again, okay, crazy. Okay, we get it, dude. We don't we don't need to you, to keep telling us that Mark is insane. Mm. But I think it's kind of a funny little meta analysis, like because Moon Knight has had this problem for so long until recently, where he's kind of been shoehorned into this C list, B list <laughs> rank, you know? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you're doing that, but you're also like it, it's this run that kind of also put him in there, <laughs> so it's like you're, yeah. it's like you're making this shitty and you're keeping him stuck. Yeah, you're, you're, you're keeping con- him at the bottom, man. Yeah. Let my boy climb up. Yeah, <laughs> let gonna... Lemire take him to the top. Quit putting him down. You're like you're you're contributing to to these villains in the pa- in in these comics thinking that yeah i mean that's right, what that's exactly. what is yeah you as in Brian michael bendis um yeah yeah that's funny um yeah uh let me see what else. oh yeah the thing with la you're talking about as well um it just seems like they're at the beginning this is at the very beginning with the news reporter as well it, it just seemed to me that they seem starved of superheroes. I mean, aren't there aren't there superheroes in in LA? I mean, they're not all concentrated in New York, are they? Um, no, I, it's it's just the whole setting thing. I, I didn't want to talk too much about this because I feel like you've probably beat this horse to death mm. when you've discussed this run in the past. But like, just why LA, man? Did you have yeah. an editorial mandate that says you need to write Mark in LA and make him a producer? Like, it's just so wacky. It is wacky. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. I don't know if it's editorial. I don't know whether it was yeah, it was Bendis. But as it I mentioned, as I mentioned, it, it at the end of the like Benson, it wasn't a creative thing. Sorry, you know, like it. It, it seems like it wasn't a creative thing. It mm. seems like it was something that was brought down. Maybe that's just me, or maybe it was an attempt to like tie him back into west coast mm, like his... that could be it maybe they were edg- but, uh, edging towards him being into the in, in being in the wca again yeah yeah I, I, that sounds that sounds like a 
a sports league. <laughs> <laughs> Just marking the WCA. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm seeing a jersey with Spectre on the back of it now. <laughs> Yeah, it just it doesn't make. I mean, as I mentioned, the, the that Benson run, he's he's so kind of hell bent to um, to catch up with Norman Osborne um, in New York, and um, and his because uh, he what he takes over Shield, right? That's a yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's hell bent on that, but then all of a sudden we see him here. Uh, yeah, who know? Who knows? I mean, if you're gonna bring him anywhere but but New York, bring him to Chicago, bring him back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe I'm just biased, but <laughs> being a Chicagoan, but yeah, yeah. But. He seems out of. I mean, I know he's on the West Coast, but he just seems a little out of place, um, especially the way that he's evolved over the years. Um, I don't know, but maybe that's maybe that's why they wanted him there, somewhere totally contrasting to. Um, or as you say, maybe this huge thing about him being in the TV production, Stephen Grant. So obviously that's in yeah, I was, LA. Yeah, and... I was going to say Stephen Grant too. That that whole plot. I feel like Bendis was like maybe like okay, Stephen Grant's going to be a movie producer. Where do we bring a movie producer? Bring him to LA. Yeah. So, I mean, but not much has happened from that really. I mean, again, there's a couple of mentions in the the first few issues or that to establish that he's there in LA for his film slash TV production, but it doesn't really go any further. Um, Maybe, like, that's why, because they know he's sort of B or C list, mm. and you don't want to have him fighting the big powers, and he just almost has a new setting. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. There's so many reasons that this could be... It's hard to say. It's hard hard to say. Um, Anyway, I don't know. Do you want to give this a rating, Joey? The whole issue? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, have you got something? I want to say like a, like a six and a half. Okay. Maybe. Let me punch that in. Maybe even a little higher, uh, but I'll say six and a half. Six. Mm-hmm. Um, let me... Oh, have I got the... Uh, oh, I don't even have it in there. Okay, six and a half, which is... Um, yeah, it is six and a half. I'm trying to get the Konishu rating, but I don't have it here with me. <laughs> it's, I, uh, it's dropped off I the I will not sheet. give the rest of this run a six and a half by any means, but... <laughs> you will not give the rest? Is, okay, yeah. This issue is pretty good, I think. If you if you analyze it outside of the mm-hmm. of the canon. Yeah, look, um, six and a half, that's pretty good. Look, I'm going to have to... A, a little bit harsher... I, I, I'll give it a five and a half out of it. Um, I do like that theory that you had, Joey, though. Again, that, that just kind of deepens everything for me um, with this sense of what is real and what isn't. Um, uh, and that actually makes that scene, which is the, the final the final act or the final third of the, the issue, um, a lot more interesting with Echo not being real, um, and that being a conversation, in essence, um, of Mark um, with himself um, to kind of like, I guess, resolve a lot of things that he had on his mind um, and his thoughts on Echo as well. So, no, I like that. Um, the art, I think, will, similar to what you said, carries a lot of the, the marks for, for this. Um, but again, it's if, if I'm to judge this on a single issue as well, again, this works a lot better 
with all the other issues around it, in and around it. Um, as a single issue yeah. for me, it's not... Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting enough read, but it's it's something that I'd put away and just go okay. I'm I'm not going to put it down and go wow that was just a right that blew me away. Yeah, it's just there. It's just there. it's like a developmental issue. Yep. It's an issue to sort of build development, but yep. nothing really gets developed or happens. No, kind of. It, Echo appears and Nefaria roasts people. Cool. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 it pushes things along. We see Nefaria and we Night Shift are gone. Um, we see, we see now, now what Mark intends to do, which sets it all up for the la- the the next issue, issue seven. So this big showdown between him and Count Nefaria. So it's all kind of putting the pieces in place. But to get there, it's just taken a few steps to do that, and that's all. Um, nothing big here, unless you're a big Night Shift fan, of course. Um, in which case, um, <laughs> which case, big F. Yeah, <laughs> big F. So, um, so there you go. Loonies, uh, five and a half and a six and a half. So um, a good, a good six average. Um, definitely, just worth checking out if you haven't. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on Bendis as well. And having said that, Joey, we do have some feedback. So. I'm wondering if we can... Do you want to divvy this, divvy this up between us? Yeah, uh, you go ahead and grab that first one. Yeah, excellent. I just want to read Chad's. Uh, you want to read Chad's? Okay. <laughs> I'll read the... Yeah, f- I don't want to give Chad a voice. Okay, okay, you, you, you'll grab Chad's one. Okay, I'll read the first one. There's a, you have the... There's four, so I'll get the first two, you get the next two. Um, okay. The first one is from our Facebook page, a nice short and sharp one from Jason Williams. Hello, Jason. Uh, he just mentioned that's an amazing cover. We didn't actually talk about the cover, Joey. Um, oh, yeah. Carol Danvers isn't even in this episode or in this issue. Yeah. But she's in there. She's in there. So. And I think uh, another Louis, another Louis, another Looney asked as well, who was that girl in the mask? And I had to reply in the group, yeah, I, I believe that's like Ca- Carol Danvers, but she's not even in it. It looks like the whole team was not on the same page, like literally with that. Good call. So here we are. Um, but yeah, no, it is a nice cover. I like Moon Knight in it. It's dope, yeah. Yeah, um, very kind of spectral kind of looking Moon Knight there. But no, thank you, Jason. Do you have the the variant in your hardcover or your uh, graphic? Yeah, yeah, I've got the um, the variant. I do. Is that the one at the end of the issue? Hang on, let me see. No, it's um, it's right bef- It's right when the issue starts. Oh no! Uh, well, um, in my edition, I've got it. I've got it at the end. This is by Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson. Oh, hi. oh no, on that's mine, issue seven. So, no, sorry, no, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, on mine, um, it's it's another. It's a variant by uh, Mark Texiera. Oh. I don't know how you actually say his last name, but he did the um. The what do you the not Midnight Suns? Oh, he uh, did Ghost Rider, Marvel Knights. Oh, he did Marvel. the Marvel Knights team up stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a you, do you see it like Wolverine is like like no sort of I don't crouching now with his no I don't have it on my like, oh I know which one you're talking about I know it in my mind and Moon Knight's behind him right and he's yeah and then there's the Moon Copter thing behind yes behind him it's actually kind of cool but that is a good one a little cheesy. Yeah, no, no, oh yeah, I kind of like it. it. It's very um, whoever f- did the finishing on that um, kind of really, it really changes Mark Texera's art a little bit. I'm used to the the '90s Ghost Rider, um, and, and and you see him in Moon Knight as well a bit later on. Um, 
good art there as well. But no, no, yeah, I haven't got it in this edition. So in the old hardcover, it's not there. Sorry, I was citing issue seven had a, a variant, but that's um, that's later. Ah, bummer. Um, yeah, but no, thanks, Jason, for that. It is an amazing cover. Um, right now we get into our Facebook group. First bit of comment here from Brian Bizzle. Big shout out to Brian. Uh, this run has some of the best Moon Knight art. Sadly, one of the worst Moon Knight stories. Moon Knight's other personalities all came out of years of being undercover as them. Okay. Hated how Bendis was like, nah, he is crazy, so he can just be anyone because I don't know how to write a Moon Knight story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, that's pretty right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the money there. Um, I guess props for trying something new, but not a fan. No, and I think you summed it up there as well, Brian. If anything, I do um, admire Bendis for trying something uh, a little different. I'm always a proponent of, of someone trying something with a character. I mean, like, if you want to just a rehash of how he was before, then you've got all those issues of how he was before. So uh, something new, something different. Yeah. Um, whether or not it actually adds to the canon properly or whether or not he does um, he does pay respect to the history of the character is another issue. But, um, yeah, um, so not a an entirely happy loony there, Joey and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian's a little salty, and I don't blame him because I'm a little salty about this run too. <laughs> uh, not not I'm not like full on like Morton salt, but I definitely got a little salt. <laughs> uh, so so I apologize, Chad, because uh, Chad said that. Um, uh, I think he said that I had a Jared Leto's voice. Oh. And for that, I have to read <laughs> Chad's comment in the worst voice okay. ever. It, it, keep in mind that Chad sounds nothing like this, <laughs> but I just I just have to do it just, just because I'm salty. <laughs> so it, it's nice to have a layover issue to collect where things are going, answer a few questions, etc., it's really strange to me that internal cap refers to our boy Mark with a K, maybe an editing typo. Yeah, it's true. I really love Maliv's work. The moody noir mess in this color is beautiful. It's pretty much the reason I read this series. Well, that and the spider quips. Kind of disappointed in Buck giving up Moody during his op, something Frenchie would never do. <laughs> I mean, it's essentially the mantra for the series. Bring back Frenchie and Marlene. Pretty colors keep the Avengers out of Mark's nagging. I'll give it a 5 out of 10. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. I'm just, I'm just getting visuals of Chad batting his eyelids, you know, kind of um, <laughs> Betty Boo style. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know. I have no idea where that voice came from. It's just, <laughs> it's just there. You know, I... It, it, it's funny because I agree with pretty much everything he says mm-hmm. too. Like I wasn't trying to make it sound like no, no, trying no. to demean his message. No, no, of course, no, no. He knows it's uh, Looney's joshing around. Um, big shout out to Chad as well. Uh, but yeah, no, um, moody noir mess in the color is beautiful. Um, perfect. Um, yeah, I actually uh, wanted to to mention that the spider quip in this killed me too. Yeah, where he's like. Uh, uh, he's like, can I get a student loan? Mm. <laughs> That's like, yeah, yeah. I, I like. Little did you know, Spidey, Spidey. If you voted for Bernie, your debt may be canceled. So <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Spidey's a birdie supporter. Yeah. I feel like Bendis does write Spidey quite well, and he does kind of get that humour. Um, we're probably touched with a lot of the Bendis-written Spidey, which is why we kind of... I mean, because I, I, I liked it as well, so it, it had a very distinct Spidey kind of feel to it. True. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that. And then we have uh, Tristan's story, Locke, and he says... Uh, I'm not going to read this in a voice because I don't want it. I don't know this person. I feel like Bendis never actually reads the comics. He just goes into a comic shop and asks for the simplest explanation of the premise of a comic book, then writes the stories without ever reading any of the comic series he writes for. It's like he writes stuff with the intent of being non-canon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it, it is funny. It is funny, Tristan, but I think he's onto something here. I mean... I know our, our, our fellow collective podcast, um, Sons of the Dragon, the Iron Fist podcast, um, they believe it's a travesty of justice what um, what Bendis has done with Iron Fist when he writes Iron Fist. It's, it's literally what Tristan says here. Um, it's almost as if Bendis is, is intent on being um, non-canon with the character. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he's a blue sky thinker, Bendis. He loves to kind of just throw anything out there. But um, it really does get some some fans up in arms, which understandable. I'd say. Yeah, I don't like his Iron Fist stuff either, and mm. I don't blame. Especially if you're an Iron Fist fan, I I could imagine going into this and just ready to hate it. Yeah. Um. So I think he's just obstinate. I think he just wants to do his own thing, and I think I kind of I kind of respect that in a way, but it's also. Yeah, I, I can see why people hate it and why I also have some issues with it too. But when he's on, dude, Bendis is on. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a reason why as well. I believe his run on Daredevil is one of the best um, and, and it makes it work. Um, it's that treading that fine line of just doing what he wants to do, but kind of paying respect to that character. Um, I recently read also his um, recent Spider-Men. I'm not sure if you'd read that. Um, it's the first time, oh, apparently, not. Miles Morales and Peter Parker meet. Um, fantastic. Really good. And again, I, I'd say he does Spider-Men, or Spider-People, I think, really well. Um, yeah, he just seems to to get that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's, I think Tristan's right on the money here. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, not to say that you can't like this run as well. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. Um, but I just wanted to offset that, Joey, with, with Bendis is a good writer in his own right. And, and sorry, just to go back a little bit as well, because I am reading a lot of his um, Superman at the moment, which is the beginning. Some of it is really good, um, but some of it falls into his trap of just him doing what he wants to do and it not being really relevant to Superman that much. Um, so, yeah, anyway, just my thoughts. Any any final thoughts there, Joey, on um, on Bendis before we, we close this one out? Uh, yeah, actually, I got one little thing. Um, so I think one of the biggest issues I have with this issue, no pun intended, and that was awful. I'll see myself out. But I think that, you know, not a lot really happens here, even though I think that this issue did a good job of, like, setting a, a mood and a tone. Actually, a really good job of that. Uh, I, I think it's also exemplary of a problem with contemporary comics, and it's, like, 
because it's so serialized and intended for this bigger arc, it just not, it's just, it's not dense enough. And I see this a lot, so much with comics that come out in the last couple of years. And there's some amazing, amazing stuff. And then there's some stuff that's like, it might as well be three issues, three big, long issues. Because you could tell that story in that amount of time. And you see this with like TV shows sometimes too. And like, it's like the Netflix bloat. Yeah. Um, and I think there's actually a lot of this run that has that a little bit. Um, so I think that's something that doesn't really ever get talked about too. A lot of people like to focus on like how Bendis doesn't know how to write this character. And yeah, that's kind of true sometimes. But like, I think the biggest problem with the run is just that. You know, there's a lot of kind of nothing. And uh, I think in this issue, it's great because you have that artistic ambiguity thing that I ran off at the mouth about. And then you have like some exposition and so on. But, you know, as as a whole, I think it's something that could really bring down what is on paper a good story. So. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, and and just finally, just on that point as well, Joey, because I, I do agree, there is a um, uh, a lot of modern com- comic books do, I guess, tend to head towards that kind of um, that kind of um, track. But uh, there was this one issue I, I read. Um, I picked up Spider Woman, uh, just this week. Uh, Carla Pacheco, um, issue one. Uh, and it was a it was a ripper. I loved it. As as issue ones go, it, it set up, I guess, the series. But at the same time, though, it had a very self contained story in issue one, and um, I just found it absolutely brilliant um, the way she handled it. Uh, There's a lot of action. Uh, you get a sense of where Jessica Drew is, um, but there was this niggling thing, right? Only a little thing. And this was a little thread that will tie into the rest of the issues, but that wasn't the focus. Um, it had its own story in itself about this ransom and, and you know, uh, um, some rich kids on a yacht and stuff. Um, and then it was only at the end that it came with this reveal of something's wrong with, with Jessica, and she started, um, well, no spoilers, well, spoilers <laughs> she it's not too bad she spews up stuff and she's in a bad way um and that, she has coronavirus well yeah funnily enough it was very relevant in that sense that's what i thought um but that kind of sets up for the next the story um so i mean there are plenty of great writers out there that do i mean i love dan slot as well he he, he does and he can make self-contained stories but also tie it into something greater um but there are there are also examples of um of just serializing a greater story without paying attention to that particular issue that you have it's a fine line yeah and i i just want to go on the record and say i love slice of life shit if it's mundane and it's done well, I yeah. I love it. I think like Stephen King's best stuff mm-hmm. is Slice of Life. Yeah, or part partly. I love Haruki Murakami. You know, I could read six hundred pages of somebody cooking pasta and listening to jazz. Yeah, like I think, but only if it's done in a way that's engaging and like artistic. And there's some sort of I don't know bigness to it some like mysticism to it and 
like I, you know, with some with a lot of modern comics, it's not really that. It's just trying to meet a deadline or trying to fill in a gap or trying to bring in the two teams together, the artistic and the writing teams together. And so, yeah, I just I thought I would I would close on a on a, a bigger thought. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so there you go, loonies. Uh, plenty to think about. Have a good read of it. Um, and a massive thank you, Joey, for coming on. It's been, it's always been fun. It's always fun chatting with you. Um, <laughs> I can't believe. I mean, if I'd be up at your hour, I would be incoherent. I'm incoherent at the best of times, um, but I don't know how you do it. But thank, thank you. I I'm doing my best, but thank you for having me. And it's always great to talk with you ray and finally got a chance to talk about comics yeah. man what a world it's awesome i'm definitely keen to have you on if you're you keen for any other uh comics because uh, i like this insight i like what you um you know this thing about echo again it, it just yeah that <laughs> that kind of um well i'm always down to talk moon Knight. so cool if ever you you are starving for a guest mm-hmm. i I will wake up at a ridiculous time. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, to be careful what you you know what you you say because I might hold you to it. Three fifteen a.m. Just you know you know if it's during the quarantine, whatever. Because yeah. I'm basically out of work right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean that's that's it, isn't it? And um, yeah. Make it quick, buddy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Uh, and so, Joey, where can where can loonies find you if they want to contact you and and listen uh, to more of you? Contact? Well, you'd have to get in touch with my secretary. And no, uh, you guys could find uh, my podcast, Jump and Shoot. It's a video game podcast. You could find us on SoundCloud. Um, just I, there's actually not a link I can just say without you know just a bunch. No, of sure, sure. Um, Got that in the show notes. But you can f- just jump and shoot on there. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, YouTube, and you can follow us on Twitter or me on Twitter at twitter.com/slash/podcastjump. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. I don't really have any other. No, that's pretty good. Well, you're also Other promotional material. You you're also in the loony bin and you're in and around the um the ITK community, so I am. Yeah, definitely catch you there. From time to time. We've been a bit quiet on Discord, Joey. Um you were you were the bastion over there. Um <laughs> You know what, man? I haven't been using Discord in general oh, okay. lately. Yeah. So it's hard to keep a handle on, on all the social media. Um I'd love to get more into Discord, but uh yeah see how we go but no a huge thank you joey um while we're here just with respect to call just a couple of shout outs on um just my own little plugs uh last sons of krypton a superman podcast episode 39 just dropped um my co-host connor and i we review a neil gaiman um the only neil gaiman story he's done on superman it's the legend of the green flame it's a team up with green lantern uh you can listen to that now that was a, a very cool i'm a big fan of neil gaiman are you a gaiman fan joey yeah i was just gonna say that that run is yeah. i don't know if you could hear maybe it was too loud i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i see my my levels are clipping <laughs> uh, might be <laughs> um, but yeah, episode 39, check it out if you're interested at all in Superman. Um, also, 
uh, TV podcast industries have set up their dreadful podcast website, and I have had the absolute pleasure of being on there reviewing retrospective um, seasons of Penny Dreadful in the lead up to Penny Dreadful City of Angels coming out towards the end of April. So um, Derek and the fellas over there, John and Chris, are releasing um, season one, episode one onwards. Um, I'm on a, uh, a few of those episodes chatting with the guys about one of the best series is Penny Dreadful. Um, Joey, again, a fan of the show or? I have not watched it honestly so it's good but i i did i did watch castlevania season three and if you haven't watched that series you need to get on it right now boy i've got to um, i've got to watch season one i think i've seen half of episode one but um yeah i will i will that looks really i'd really love the animation in it that's cool um yeah also finally as well i just want to give a late shout out because these guys um they contacted us on our page as well i posted up something um all to do with supporting podcasters and you know this being a time of self-quarantine it's a nice alternative um and just giving podcasters a shout these guys panels to pixels podcast are very good as well so a shout out to those guys um links to their show in the show notes um with that Loonies, I think we'll have to go. I wonder if I hear a little bit of crying. Oh my gosh! Uh, just quickly, next phase. It's a waning crescent. It's me. Spoilers. <laughs> it's Joey, Joey crying. Um, we are going back to a waning crescent. The Lunapic Classic Run review. It will be Moon Knight Volume One, Issue Twelve: The Nightmare of Morpheus. And I should have guest uh, Josh on for that so that will be a lot of fun um, just quickly as well an outro patreon please support us if you can like joey patreon.com slash itk moon knight again our sponsors hello headphones and uh, we're affiliate members to amazon and entertainment earth so if you'd like to buy anything through the links in our program uh, please do so and that will help support the show finally we are a member of the collective a, a nice group of podcasts give them a listen um, the directory is again linked in our show notes a huge thank you again joey it's been a blast i'm going to be putting you on speed dial don't you worry <laughs> thanks again for having me man and uh you know one last parting thought is no matter what our leaders give us don't take it as Oh, look how wonderful this is. Look at this wonderful bone that we've been thrown. <laughs> you know, it's all politics, man. Even if you get that $1,000 check. Oh, just, yeah. Just remind, just remember that. Yeah, we're getting something like that as well. <laughs> anyway, on on that note, loonies may you watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.